Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, our co-host, Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey. Hey. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year. Aren't you sort of hoping, Davey, that like the clock strikes midnight and the 2020 curse ends, <laughs> right? Like everything starts fresh oh, it's at so midnight true. tonight. Uh, it's so true. <laughs> Listen, I, I just preached a sermon uh, this past Sunday called Hindsight is 2020. Hindsight Ooh, is good. 2020. And uh, man, don't we all want that to be true, right? Like. <laughs> Yes. And yet there's a lot of things, and that's the whole point of this, there's a lot of things we can learn that's you know, right. only when we look in hindsight. And so we can look back on 2020, and there's a lot of things that God has been teaching us and is trying to, Absolutely. lessons he's trying to get us to learn. And so it's just, we uh, yes, we are all praying for, um, I don't know, I don't know how you would qualify a more... A less eventful 2021? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, just a real kind of Maybe normal. Maybe peaceful? Uh, just normal. What is normal? What is normal? We, <laughs> what is normal? We have learned through the Nothing Is Wasted <laughs> podcast, there's not a whole lot of normal. I mean, we have a lot of stories of hardship and pain and adversity yeah. and difficulty, and yet God takes those things and he flips the story, which is so awesome. So yeah. no matter what, we can walk into 2021 with that encouragement and that hope. That's right. He is faithful. He will keep being faithful into 2021. <laughs> hey, we'd love, this is the last opportunity for you to do this. We'd love to get your feedback. And so um, if you can, we, we have a survey. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you can text NIW survey to the number 66866. Again, that's 66866. Or go to com slash podcast survey. We're going to draw 10 people at random who filled out the survey and give away $10 Amazon gift cards. Love that. But this is an opportunity for you to speak into the the vision and even the execution of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We'd love to hear from you on who you would want to hear from, how you would want to hear from them. So please give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Can I actually read one of the reviews, Davey? Because um, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Sure, yeah. It says, this is my favorite podcast. Davey, I am old enough to be your mom. And I'm so <laughs> proud of you for how you've shined your light to so oh, many, man. even through your darkest, unimaginable pain. I wow. love your compassion and your empathy for others and using your pain for true purpose mm. for so many others struggling in all types of pain. May God continue using you for his glory. Wow. Isn't that sweet? That is very sweet. Well, she knows my love language. Any, when anybody says I'm <laughs> proud of you, for whatever reason, maybe it's the Enneagram 3 in me, but I get weepy. And it's, you know, it's so okay this is so random but there is a song at the end of a james arthur album that essentially says i'm proud of you and every time every time i hear that i like tear up it was the first time christy and i's song is on this uh album it's a different song on the album but we were listening to it the first time we listened to it together she she looked over she was like are you okay i'm like why am crying i just i just need to hear that people are proud of me james arthur's proud of me james arthur's proud of me (laughs) well this survey person knew your love language and she's very proud of me hopefully it's not your actual mom filling out this survey davy but Uh, i don't think it might actually be mine i think this is a listener and i think it's really authentic well here's the deal i I'm I'm really proud of you because Aww. I got to be a part of listening to this conversation that you have with Lisa Bevere. And it yes. is a, an awesome conversation. Um, it was very cool to see you guys connect. It was very cool Ugh, to see you guys I getting the talk about to life interview her. And, yeah. and ministry and walking with people, especially from this godmother perspective that she brings. Yeah, absolutely powerful. One of the things I love about Lisa is that she has been, in a lot of ways, a pioneer Mm-hmm. Um, to help open up the doors for women to have leadership and to speak yep. and to preach in yep. church. And um, I know that the conversation has had a lot, um, especially over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of conversation around this, but there's a lot of church cultures, denominations, environments that are very resistant to that. Yep. <laughs> and I know you have a lot of thoughts on that as well. I mean, I think the reality, <laughs> Davey, is there's a lot of church environments that are still not sure if women can leave the nursery. You know That's what I mean? True. And so yeah. the fact that here's a <laughs> the fact that any church leader is willing to let a woman, not even willing to let a woman, I don't even like that I said it I like know. that. <laughs> when church leaders are 
catch the vision that the Holy Spirit has anointed women to lead and to teach and to preach, that gets me really excited because it has been far too long that misogyny has masqueraded as spirituality and I'm over it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of patience anymore for it because I mean, do we believe that God has anointed his sons and daughters? Yes. Do we see examples of women leading all throughout the scripture? Yes. Do we see Jesus empowering women? Yes. Mm -hmm. So in one sense, I understand people want to be honoring of God's word Mm -hmm. and Paul's words where he's telling women to be silent. I mean, we can't ignore that that's there and But we have allowed those to weigh so much heavier than every other thing we're seeing in scripture. And I I just think the answer can't be, okay, women stay in the nursery. Like we have to begin empowering women to use the gifts that God has given them so that the whole church, not just half the church, right. but so that the whole church is blessed and the whole church grows. Well, I think it's so important, especially when you look at Paul's words, because I think there are entire denominations that are trying to use those words um, and they're using them out of context yeah. to silence women. Yeah. And um, the reality is, is Paul's words were written to a specific group of people in a specific context, as That's are right. all the Bible, the, the entire Bible. Yeah. And, yep. and you can't understand content unless you understand context. That's so good. And what he's saying when he says things like, you know, women should be silent, cover their heads, all that kind of stuff. He's speaking to a culture where you're not going to um, be able to influence people very well for the gospel because that culture that they lived in was a very suppressive culture in general. It was Middle Eastern culture. I mean, it still is in a lot of ways, especially, you know, more kind of Aramaic type uh, settings and context and stuff. And so he's saying, Hey, if you're going to live as a missionary here, let me, let me help you walk through how to do this in a way that you're going to be able to actually have a voice so you don't discredit your voice right away. That's right. And so that the gospel can go forward in this specific context. And we live in a different culture now. And God's right. word is still true. The principles behind God's word is it it it, it can be applied in this culture in, in a bit of a different way than when we're talking about this passage specifically, right? That's right. That's right. What are some of the ways, Davy, as a church leader, that you've kind of moved in this journey, perhaps, um, you know, moving from, yeah. I, I don't, I'm saying moving, I don't necessarily know where you were when you started on this journey, well, that's but a good how question. do you, how do you advocate an ally, become an ally for women? Well, if I can be honest and, and vulnerable, it's, it's still a journey for me. I'm still, yeah. I'm still kind of wrestling with, you know, a lot of what scripture says and what does it look like and how do I empower and how do I, you know. Um, when I was pastoring a church, um, the we were building an eldership, and all of the elders that we had walking, you know, in that process were men. Yeah. Um, but but to me, honestly, that was more like um, it was it was a different thing. It was a it was more of a cultural thing for me. Um, but even as I look back on it, and, and I feel like I need to explain, men are difficult to reach mm. when it comes to. Um, faith. And so my aim in, in the church culture was I need to find some strong men that will attract men so we can reach men. Um, It wasn't, didn't mean that we didn't want to reach everybody. It just meant that, you know, we were seeing just like most churches, a massive um, lopsidedness when it came to the ratios between women and men, you know, it's about 70 or 75% women. And so it was like, okay, women are, women are more open to conversations of faith. They're more open to these kinds of things. So how do I intentionally go after reaching men? Well, let me surround myself with some really strong, you know, godly men. And let's, let's go after men. It wasn't necessarily like a, I'm not going to do, you know, right. but then even since then, my journey has kind of progressed because my babysitter growing up, um, she was the pastor my dad was working for was her daughter. Okay. Or his daughter. Right. Okay. And okay. he, her name's Heather. And for, for quite a season, she was the lead pastor at a Wesleyan church up in nice. Wisconsin. And I went and spoke there a couple of times and I'm telling you, Aubrey, this church was unbelievable. Like God was moving yeah. in powerful ways. Yeah. I and that's it. what I love. My upbringing in the Wesleyan church empowered women quite a bit. Yes. For a while, I love that the, about the general superintendent of the Wesleyan church was a woman that like the top leader of the Wesleyan church was a woman, Joanne Lyons. Love it. My grandmother l- led for a while the Wesleyan Women International. You know, oh, 
what a cool inheritance. I love that. And so I kind of have fallen like in the middle of these camps mm-hmm. a little bit because I also was in the Baptist, you know, tradition for a yeah. while. And so yeah. I've really been on a journey quite a bit. And so for me, I've been thinking, okay, how do I open the door for leaders, yes. whether it's men or women, yep. for the ones who are qualified, right? Yep. The ones who are supposed to be in that that role that are God-given, men and women. So how yep. do I walk with them and open the door for them? I feel like that's part of my role is just, let me be a kind of an, a door opener, right? A door And I love that it. you're even asking that because I uh, part of my research in grad school has been on how to empower women in church leadership. And one of the big things is that men in positions of leadership have to open the doors. Mm-hmm. Men are the ones who will begin to make this change. And so I love that you're doing that. Yeah. Um, and at least asking yourself the question, right. how and, can how can I do it? And you can begrudge that, especially if you're a woman who's really passionate about, you know, kind of this movement of helping to empower women. Like you can begrudge the fact that it's men that has to. Right. That, that's that's the reality of our culture right now. And whoever is in a position at. of power Someone has to open the power. doors for those who aren't. Yeah, exactly. And um, and so it would be it's just it's just not intelligent of us to not recognize that. Right. To go, that's, that's right. kind of how things ha- like are. And so in order for us to make change, those of us who are, would consider ourselves allies, we have to help open the doors to make those changes happen. So yeah. all that is to say, I'm still on a journey. I'm still wrestling with all this stuff. So I'm being vulnerable right now and just going, okay, I'm still trying to figure this out and holding yeah, it open hands. That, but, um, but yeah, I, I love and value preachers like you, Aubrey, female preachers who bring the word. I was just showing, uh, um, a friend of mine who was asking about the podcast, I was like, yeah, we have this co-host and she's it's unbelievable. So I was showing him a clip of you preaching and he was like, wow, she's oh, like nice. dynamite. That's amazing. So oh, I'm, praise God. So back to our original conversation, I'm proud of you. Oh, oh look at that. Full at that. circle, Full baby. Circle. Thank you. <laughs> but Aubrey, what about you? I mean, you're in this master's course with all these women yep. who are studying to be leaders, going into yep. ministry. Yep. I'm sure you guys have had lots of conversations about this. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. You know, I just I think as as women, especially as women who are in leadership, there's sort of that shared experience of like, mm-hmm. wow, this has been a hard road. You're taking new ground. And um I, sometimes it can be really hard. I was just remembering, Davey, one time, one of the first sermons that I preached, afterwards, uh, a guy asked me if I was on my period. Excuse me? And that is a microcosm of what women deal with wow. when they try to step into these these arenas, wow. right? That like the men are willing to say whatever they're going to say to try to put you back into your wow. uh your small little space. But, um, I, I just think as church leaders and I, I'm in church leadership as well. It is important that we are intentional Mm. about, um, giving women opportunities because the reality is women have been socialized, especially in the church, not to go up to a leader or, and say, Hey, I have some gifting in this area or, Hey, I'm interested in teaching and preaching or leading a ministry. Women have been socialized, like to stay small and to be humble and to not, you know, take up too much space. And so church leaders have to be really intentional to have their eyes open for women that um, God might be calling or God might be moving in and then go to them and literally say, Hey, I see this leadership gift in you. I I see this preaching gift in you. I want to raise you up. I want to train you. I want to, I know a pastor who, um, teaches a preaching class just for his staff once a week and it's a Baptist church. It was just men, but he began to realize that his junior high youth pastor, who's a female actually has some really strong teaching gifts. And so he began to pull her into that. And that was the first time that a light I think went on for her. Like, Oh, maybe God is calling me to do this. And, and God used it to change his mind. And so now she's even Mm. been given the opportunity to preach, you know, on a Sunday morning. And so I think any movement like that, that can move the ball forward for women. I mean, again, I sound like a broken record, but it, we have this idea that just is for half the church. It's for the whole body. We need to see God's men and God's women living out their calling for the kingdom of God. So I can keep moving forward. I also have to say this real quick, Davey, my favorite Bible verse has been second Peter three, six. It says this, this is Peter talking about Paul. Some of Paul's letters are hard to understand and unstable men 
have twisted them to wow. mean something quite different. And sometimes wow. I just say that to myself, like, okay, here we are again. <laughs> Peter saw it happen. Like Paul's letters have been twisted. Wow. And um, again, the heart of God, if, if we look from Genesis to Revelation and we see the hermeneutic of how God has revealed yep. his will for women through women, yeah. there is no doubt that God's heart is for women to so lead true. and preach and, you know, work side by side That's with great. men as co-ministers, co-labors of the gospel. That's great. Hey, well, I am so excited for our listeners to hear my conversation with Lisa Bevere, partly because I got to do it, but mostly because Lisa is such a mm -hmm. wonderful woman of God and has a lot to say about her own experience of suffering and about how we can find God in the midst of it. So let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Lisa. Lisa Bevere, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Oh, I am so excited. I love the title. I love the concept of this podcast. And so, yay, I'm thrilled to be with you. Well, we're so thankful that you're here. For our listeners who may not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a half Sicilian grandmother to Love four, <laughs> mother to four men. So I have men raising, let's see there, yes. 26 to 33. I always get their ages wrong. Been married for 38 years to nice. the guy who led me to the Lord on our very first date, which should have been illegal. And <laughs> I have been traveling and speaking to empower women and mark pathways for the last 30 years. I turned 60 this June, and I believe the first 30 years you're learning and growing. And then the next 30, you, of course, you can always learn, but you're no longer growing, yeah. you're building and learning. And then that last 30, you should be imparting and marking mm. some pathways. And so that's kind of my focus right now. I've had the privilege of traveling and speaking all over the world. My husband and I, we run an organization where we are committed to giving away more books every year than we sell. And I so that. to that end, we've given away, I think we're at 41 million individual <gasps> resources awesome. in 111 languages. Amazing. And I, I, I have a New York Times bestseller. I am going to tell you absolutely nothing happens when that happens. You might even have one. <laughs> You don't even get an email. Oh, sad. I, There's no like plaque uh, on your wall no, or anything. I, well, we made one, but no, you don't get one. So, so this, it, but this is also the humor of God because mm. see, God is more excited about the books I give away than the books I sell. Amen. So That's heaven right. has a very different yeah, economic sense of structure. Humor. Yes. That's right. Yes. Well, hey, um, speaking of books, your new book, Godmothers, is out. God, okay, Godmothers, I want to get the subtitle right. How to, oh no, why you need one, how to be one. That's I it. I love it. Perfect. Um, talk to us a little bit about, like, let's transition and talk about your life. When you have walked through seasons of challenge or seasons of difficulty and pain, did you long for this godmother type figure that you talk about and why? Well, first and foremost, yes, I mm. I didn't just long. I was desperate. Mm. I knew I was like, wait a minute. I, okay, so everybody grows up different. My mama didn't get what she needed from her mother. And mm. because she didn't get what she needed from her mother, she didn't have what I needed for yeah. me. And so I kind of knew hey, I don't want to be that mama or I don't want to be that wife. But knowing what you don't want to be is not <laughs> enough. Mm. So I think at around 30, I was pregnant with my third son and I realized I am messing up big time. I, I don't know how to be a wife. I don't know. Wow. I, this mother thing is overwhelming. I have three kids in five years of what is going on. Yeah. And I wished so bad that I could have had an older woman that would come alongside me. I'm not yeah. even, I didn't even want her to be on my side. I just wanted mm. her to be beside me. I wanted mm. somebody to say, let me just tell you what I learned the hard way. Let mm. me just tell you what I loved about my life and what I wish I would have known, what I wish I could have done differently. I, I remember crying out to God. Well, first of all, God, again, I'm convinced God has a huge sense of humor. Mm. Right at the most painful moment of my life, once I'd become a Christian, 
where mm-hmm. I felt completely rejected by an older woman in ministry. So I would have been 21 at the time. It was wow. at that moment, God said, I've called you to minister to women. And <gasps> my response was anybody but women. I don't <laughs> like women. I don't trust women. I'm not wow. really a woman. I'm a man's brain <laughs> in a woman's body. I am not, I am not a woman, <laughs> wow. which is, yeah, it sounds funny, but I just kind of felt like I was a pioneer. And I yeah, remember, right. I, I remember uh, God saying, you need to go to her. Mm. You need to humble yourself. I know, Ooh. I know. And he said, you come low so she can bless your life. Because wow. she had started rumors about me and said I had a seducing spirit, which who knows? Oh. Who I know. I was like, if I, I don't want to. <laughs> Maybe. Can we take I, it off? Can we take it off? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and God said, you go to her. You humble yourself. Wow, you ask Lisa. her to pray for you. You, mm. you have to come under this to get a blessing. And again, I know that God would have blessed me either way, but sure. there is something that happened. This is what he said to me. He said, you start defending yourself now because I was like, I can't believe she's treated me like this. I can't believe she's gossiped. I'm going to tell people what she's done. And God said, you can do that. Mm. But if you start defending yourself now, you're going to do it for the rest of your life. He said, why don't you let me do this? Mm. And then he told me to go to her. I was like, I don't like the way you're doing this. But anyway, so I found myself at a very young age challenged to pour out to the people that I didn't like <laughs> and, and that had never poured into me. Wow. Lisa. And, and I said, all right, God, if you want me to pour into women, you need to send me a woman. You need to send yeah. me a mentor. And yeah. eight years into my marriage, my husband and I are in a scary motel in Rockingham, North Carolina. John tricks me into doing a woman's meeting at a Pentecostal holiness church. Come on. I mean, do I look like I should be? A pen- <laughs> I mean, I was definitely not. I'm like, I have double pierced ears. They're going to stop me at the door. They can't even wear pants. This is, this is a joke. And John was like, I just think you're supposed to minister these women. They're just in so much legalism. I'm like, wow, wow. I cannot believe you've done this to me. And so I'm kneeling on top of the bed because the floor was too dirty to kneel on. And I was like, God, you know, I don't like women. I can't believe I'm doing a women's meeting. And he said, I like women. Mm. And it was just this moment. Wow. Where I was like, well, of course you would. Of course you would. Of course you do. What I'm saying doesn't make any sense. And he said, I created woman as Mm. the answer to the very first problem. And he said, mm-hmm. long before there was a fall, there was a problem. And that was, mm-hmm. it is not good for man to be alone. And, Amen. He, and so he said, this is what you need to tell these women, that they are yeah. an answer to be embraced rather than a problem to be controlled. And oh, there was so such a shift for me when I realized, what is it in me that I don't like my own gender? Yeah. What yeah. is it? What What is my issue here? And I had to dive into the word and, and not listen to the tones that I had heard from mm. the pulpit that shamed women or belittled their involvement or made it sound like they were less than a mm. God creation, that they yeah. were... Uh, that they were an afterthought instead of almost the afterglow. I mean, like this incredible crown of creation, you know? So I started to say to women, you're an answer, not a problem. So good. And they would start crying just hearing that because that problem mentality, my femininity is a problem. Now they think it's okay everywhere outside of the church. But it's not okay in the church. And what does that do to us as women? Uh, When our father is our creator, mm. when the eternal realm is saying that we are less than, of course, it's confusing to to think that, well, no, I have value, but I don't have value to in the places that matter. And, And so I think for years, women have tried to act like men to get their value and yeah. and now you know we are finding out that we have voice and beauty and strength but we also are finding out that we don't grow in health and isolation we need community yeah, we need connections right. and yeah. so a godmother would have been somebody that would have come to me and said lisa i see these gaps and i am committed to your growth 
Mm. I'm going to help you course correct. I'm going to help you fill some of the things. All of us have gaps in our lives that are met by God. There's God-filled gaps that people can't meet. Right. But right. then there's gaps that we have where we meet for one another within community, in relationships. That's right. Older women teach and train the younger women. What are we supposed to teach and train them? How to love their husbands and train mm. their children. But what we've got is women trying to train their husbands <laughs> and loving their children. That's I'm, so true. I mean, the truth is... Uh, it's easy to love your kids. It's sometimes not so easy to love your husband. Yeah. I mean, there's some truth there, right? <laughs> so we got to get these things right because yeah. I'm in empty nest season. And you know what? I am loving it. I am beating my husband at Splendor, Monopoly deal. <laughs> we we listen to podcasts during dinner. So it's so much great fun. season. Yes. Yeah. I told him, I'm so glad I like you. But there's a lot of people that when their kids leave, they look at one another and they say, what do we have in common? Mm. And so I, you know, I, I started to just cry out and God said, you're not going to get it. What you've wow. looked for the last eight years or the wow. first eight years of your marriage, you're just going to have to be it. And I said, oh. I don't know how to be it. Yeah, and he said, wow. he said, everything you wish another woman would have been mm. to you you begin to be, write it backwards. So oh, I Lisa. sat there and I reverse engineered what she would look like, how mm. she would respond. Even, mm. you know, like we've, maybe you haven't ever, but I always felt disapproval. I mean, I would end up at Certainly. church with, yeah. you know, the wrong outfit on or my slip hanging down. And, and I always <laughs> felt disapproval. I never mm. felt like, Bless her, look at her. I remember that when my kids were young. You know, yeah. I, I I always felt disapproval. I didn't wow. feel that they were coming alongside me to lift me up. Yeah. I felt like they were saying, no, we're gonna push you aside. And mm. and I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, I look at you uh, and so many of the young women coming up, you guys are so much smarter, so much uh more well-educated. There's a vibrancy on your life. And, and I'll, I'll kind of tell the story as a, as a tattletale on me. I was invited to do this conference by this young woman who had read all of my books and, and loved my books and they had become life to her. And she said, I want you to come and speak at my, my, my women's conference, like a youth conference. I said, I'd yeah. be honored. And so I come in, I come in early so I can Fear, meet her, spend time with her. And yeah. she gets up there on Friday night and she preaches my message. <gasps> no, 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 no. Telling you the truth. 10 times better than I've ever preached it in my oh, life. Lisa, I don't believe that. No, I, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And, and you know, you mentioned Christine Kane. I texted her and I'm like, Okay, I'm, I'm, what do I do? I'm experiencing something right now that I never thought I would experience, and 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 wow. I told her, and she was laughing, and I, I was sitting in the service, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, "Be very careful, Lisa." Mm. He said, "You don't want to despise the answers, your own prayers." He said, you've prayed that the next generation would go further and farther, mm. and now you're seeing it, and you're thinking, well, they didn't have to pay the same price. They yeah. haven't, it hasn't been hard right. for them. Right, well, and right. he said, he said, are you angry at me because I am generous? And mm. I immediately remembered Eugene Peterson's interpretation of that parable about all the laborers going out and the ones that had borne the whole yeah. strength yeah. of the day. And I would not even describe myself that way. Uh, there mm. are people that have gone long before me that have carried the weight of yeah. the full day of the sun. But I remember they're all like, wait a minute, wait, they're get, those people only did half an hour. Why are they getting paid what we did for 12 hours? <laughs> and, 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 and like that, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. And, yeah. and Jesus is like, friend, did you not agree to do it for this? Oh yeah, I did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you angry? Why are you mm. angry that I'm generous with them? And mm. I think a godmother has settled that issue of competition and comparison in her soul. In yeah, her soul. So when she sees an Aubrey or when she sees these young, beautiful, strong women, she says, oh, you know what? 
their success is my success. That's so good. I was in um, I was in a beautiful church in Singapore um, last January, and the pastor there, her name was Pastor Ch- Leah Chan, and her whole emphasis has been generations. And she mm. said one thing, and people always quote it as I said it. I I am only repeating Leah's words. Leah said, "The next generation is not our replacement; there are reinforcements." And if I see the generations coming alongside me as those who are with me, then I won't do what I would do if I have a scarcity, competition, envy, jealousy mindset. I won't push them aside. I'll, I'll say, come. Come sit yeah. down, sit down. Let me, let me tell you the things I learned the hard way. Let me That's tell what you what a godmother does. Absolutely. Yeah. She pours out That's so good. what was never poured in. Yeah. Or if so it good. was poured in, she just continues the pouring. And then yeah. a goddaughter is, is somebody who takes the risk and mm. says, man, I, I see the way you've done life. I've seen the way you've done marriage. I'm messing up. Can, can I just go for a walk with you? Can, can we go to coffee? you know, we don't have to make it hard. It doesn't have to be, can you do a 13 week study on how to be a good mom? Right. It, it just, let's just go to target together and, yes. t- and talk about life as we're shopping. It, yeah. It should be organic. And you know, the idea of God parents is an early church concept. It was the dynamic that when I might get saved, I would lose my family. I would lose my social standing. I would lose my financial mm. things. And so God parents would come and say, you belong to us. Yeah. We are here to validate your authenticity, that you are pursuing Jesus. It was also a a danger to not have somebody validate and take spiritual responsibility. Hey, Mm. I know them. Like they're not infiltrating to turn us all over to Nero. These people are genuine. And so they would come alongside and they would be there at turning points and crises. And here's, here's the thing I think, and you know, just even in our day and in our time and the whole theme of this nothing wasted, this whole yeah. theme, tragedy and crisis is often the greatest catalyst for growth, not just for ourselves, but for others. But yeah, you need right. to be intentional on how you redeem it. Yeah. That's one of the things that we talk about on this podcast a lot is that God always wants to turn stories of pain into purpose, but you do have to be intentional about partnering with Him to do so. One thing we say a lot at Nothing Is Wasted is pain is the common denominator of life. It's something that brings us all together. Unfortunately, what is not as common is actually getting the help we need for what we're going through. Beyond the encouragement, hope, and resources that we provide as a ministry, we believe there is a need for everyone to have a good counselor. I've been in counseling for years, as have most of our team, so we personally know the benefits of this tool in our lives. This is why we've partnered with an incredible online worldwide organization called Faithful Counseling, who provides virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are all certified by their own state's board. If you're seeking traditional mental health counseling, but would prefer hearing from a Christian perspective, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you're matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or even the convenience of text messaging. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It only costs $65 a week and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off of your first month of counseling just for being a part of the Nothing is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to our interview. Lisa, one of the things that you said earlier was that um, I'm just thinking about how connected it is to 2020, and I won't say it exactly right, but you talked about the importance of connection, especially in times of isolation. Yeah. And right now, the whole, I mean, the whole globe is feeling that sense of isolation, I think, and that sense of scatteredness and that sense of really suffering and 
heartache. Um, in light of thinking about godmothers and what it means to have, you know, someone walk alongside you or being a goddaughter and receiving that, how do you feel like that fits? How do you do that in 2020 when we're all so isolated and the world is so heavy right now? Well, I mean, I think people even just listening in on this conversation is yeah. one of them. I do think that you can get connected with people through podcasts. You can do resources. You can get a hold of books. You can pick up the phone and call. Remember, we used to talk to people instead of thinking they were yelling when they were texting. I mean, we need to be people <laughs> that we hear tone. You know, yeah. like I, if I have a friend that is on my heart, I'm going to want to, before I'm going to really believe she's okay. I want to hear the sound of her voice. That's I, good. I want to know. And so I also think that there is this incredible pressure and fear to perform for this anonymous audience. So true. That I didn't grow up with. And I think that older women can say to the younger women, because interestingly enough, my team sat me down a couple of years ago, it was before I wrote this book, and they said, do you know what you're analytics are. And I was like, I, I, I don't, I know how many, yeah. how many people follow me. They're like, no, this isn't how many, this is who. And they mm -hmm. said, the people that buy your books are 24 to 35. And I burst into tears in that oh, moment. Oh, I burst into tears. And my team was like, what's wrong with her? And, yeah. and I said, my children are 24 to 35. Don't wow. you see the people that buy my books are looking for a mother. That's that right. is what they're looking for. So yeah. I decided I'm going to be super intentional to offload what I wish I would have known and what I am learning and mark those pathways, create so pathways for them. And so, yeah, that, that was a huge thing for me. And the connection thing, it, it's risky. Yeah, You cannot connect virtually with everyone. There are going to be people that are going to hate what you say, yeah. no matter how clear you say it or how often you say it or, you know, and those people, they don't deserve the mm. right to speak into your life. People wow. that have never seen you cry or heard pain in your voice mm -hmm. should not be allowed the privilege of voice in your life. Yeah. I, I, and again, I'm not saying, you know, yes, I'll read C.S. Lewis and I know I'll never meet. I'm not saying, you know, I feel oh, like, right. I feel like you have to But that clarify. real intimate relationship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, there needs to be somebody that is safe. And yeah. the way I tried to, to unpack it in the, in the book was there are people who are in your room and people that are in your room are different than the people who are in your corner. So people mm. that are in your corner, they're the ones that are up close you know, we think about a boxing ring. They see when life's beat you up. They're, yep. they're there to give you like a drink of water and hydrate you. They're there to say, hey, hey, you, you need to do this or you need to stop being afraid of that. Oh, and you're saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. And they're like, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. That's yeah. the people in your corner. Life has taught me if you have two or three of those people, you are a wealthy person mm -hmm. because those people are rare. These are our iron sharpening iron. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully if you're married, your wife and your husband, is that for you? Uh, but it's, it's, those, those are people that you want to have close and you want to go to them when you want to hear the truth. Those are the yeah. people that are going to ask you the questions you don't want to answer yeah, and tell you the truth you don't want to hear. Mm. But you go to them. Right. Because you need that. You want that sharpening. You're like yeah. you can call everybody else. You can yeah. put on Instagram, all men or whatever. And then everybody's like, you're right. And then you call somebody. And like, you've got that friend who's <laughs> like, nope, girl, you shouldn't have yeah. done that. What, yeah. are you, what are you doing? You need to call me. So we, yeah. we all need somebody like that. And I yeah. think as a godmother, you can tell the difference and you can be that to other women. And so we've got those intimate, and then you got the room. And here's the thing about people in the room. They usually will clap for you while everybody else is clapping. But if they leave the room, you shouldn't go chasing down the hall. You just, you, you love them if they come back in, but you don't mm. chase them down the hall mm. because sometimes you have friendships for a season and yeah. that season shifts. It doesn't yeah. make them wrong and you right. Or, you know, it just, it just means that sometimes 
they leave the room and you don't, you don't attack them. You don't slander them. Why are you leaving my room? You, know, yeah, you, yeah. you don't leave your host in the spirit mm-hmm. to chase after them. Yeah. But you always have a, have a heart of welcome. But then there's people that are outside of the room. They're outside of your corner. They're, they're, they're this, they're just like, of course, I'm not talking about loving your neighbors. Of course you of love course. Your, I, yeah, I'm right, talking right. about this this audience of critics. Um, yes. Those are the people that you should not give them more attention than you give your then actual they, relationship. That's good. Or more, more like power over you, even right. emotionally. Yeah, you should you never should. Yeah. give anybody that much power. And when, when you think about it, in so many ways, we're holding a world of strangers in the palm of our hands. Yeah. And we're missing face to face with our own yeah. children, our husbands, and the people down the street, Lisa. Yeah, and and I mean, yeah. Do you, have you seen those things where they're doing all these studies where the posture of people are changing? The <gasps> postures are changing to this, hunched over, looking down. And I just have such a sense it. that God is saying, "Put it down." Yeah. Go lift outside. Your head again. Stand lift up your top. head. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Reach up for me. This yeah. is what I want to do. Do not drop your head. Do yeah. not bow. Because when I drop my head, I'm mm. bowing to public opinion. Yeah. I'm bowing. And I want to say it was three years ago. I was working on a book called Adamant, and God said to me, Lisa, what do you want to be? Popular or influential? And I knew the right answer was influential. I was like, right. <laughs> Obviously, I know the right answer. <laughs> so I said influential because I was actually feeling really um, misjudged, mistreated, mm. misrepresented. So I was having a pout moment. And I always yeah. find that when I'm pouting, God never is like, I am so sorry. He's never like, let's, yeah, let's keep staying in this yeah, he's feeling like, sorry what, for what, ourselves he's like, moment. What, what yeah. do you want? And I was like, yeah. I want to be influential. And he was like, okay, look up the meaning of the words. So I looked up the meaning of the word popular and it means common. It means trendy. It means the masses or the general opinion. Generally held based. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But the definition of influential means powerful. Mm. And so when we can actually stand, when we have gone through something and seen the faithfulness of God, yeah. then we understand that we are going from strength to strength and glory to glory. And we want to take other people there. And when we've gone through something painful, we want to be able to look back and say, I didn't like the process, but I love the outcome. And that's good. And this struggle is for your strength. Yeah, that's good. Lisa, one of the things that you mentioned before we got on here was something something painful about your first speaking oh, engagement. And I I want to hear that story if you don't mind sharing it. Yes, this is this is my husband. Okay, so first of all, I have to put a little disclaimer. My husband was a youth pastor. And he would tell me, Hey, listen, I really feel like you should say something to the youth girls. And I just think, you know, I'm up there speaking, but I think they should hear from, you know, a young woman. And I was, yeah. pro- I was probably 26, 27 at the time. And I'd say, well, I'm not some package deal. Just because you're the youth <laughs> pastor doesn't mean I'm a youth right. pastor. And right. no, I'm not getting up. And he'd say, well, you just need to be ready. I'm going to have you get up and just greet the girls. I'm like, well, you just need to be ready. I'm just going to leave the building <laughs> if you do that. I mean, <laughs> I'm, we're, I love it. We're, we're talking about, <laughs> I've been married 38 years. We're talking yeah. first couple of years. And yeah, I love so it. John was always pushing me out of my comfort zone. And mm-hmm. he, he would trick me and he would hand me the mic and <laughs> I would say something out of God's mercy and love for the young girls in the room. It would be anointed. And then I'd get in the car with him. Then I'd be like, don't you ever pull a stunt <gasps> on that? Why don't did you, you do that to me? <laughs> ever, ever. And my husband would look at me and say, you know what? You act like you're in control of your life. You're acting like Satan. I was like, what? What? Wow. what? That was That's a strong. big leap. That was a big Seriously. leap. What is Satan? Satan. He was like, your life is not your own. You were like, I will or I won't. And he and I was like, Satan was like, I will ascend. I'm not trying to ascend. I'm, I'm trying, to right. trying to hide. I'm trying to hide. I don't want that microphone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that stage. I, absolutely. I'm like, you <laughs> stop talking to me like I'm a congregation. I'm your okay, one-eyed wife. I had lost 
an eye to cancer when I was five. So I, I felt like I should I, be laughing I, at that. I, yes. I, no, you should. It is hilarious. I'm like, I'm your handicapped one-eyed wife. You can't talk to me like that. I can't get up in front of people. I never got mm. up in front of people in high school. I was never a cheerleader. I was never anything. I hid. And John yeah. was like, well, I don't care. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. I'm like, stop it. Stop, stop it. Gospeling stop gospeling me. Yeah, stop <laughs> preaching the word of God. So he, he got it. So he tortured me with just these little two minute greetings, which ugh, like sweating. And then he comes to me Love and he it. said, I am going on a missions trip to Trinidad. I feel like you should speak. And he was the college and career pastor. And there was a high school pastor. There was a junior high pastor. There was a singles pastor. There was lots of men that would have been happy. And I said, (laughs) no, I said, no, I'm not speaking. And he said, well, I want you to really pray about that. And I'm like, I'm not going to pray about it. And he said, why wouldn't you pray about it? I said, because if I pray about it, God might say yes. God's going to say yes. (laughs) I I don't want to hear that. So I am not praying. I'm just telling you, no, I am not on staff. I, you know, the Bible says I suffer a woman not to preach or teach or have authority <laughs> right, over a right. man. I said, I've got more Paul scripture. Paul told me not to. Paul, Paul <laughs> you talked to Paul. You talked to Paul. And he said, and I said, and I, you know, the pastor, I don't know how the pastor feels about it. He goes, oh, I already asked the pastor. He said, he'd love to have you do it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, well, you know I what? I love your husband. No, I am not doing it. So he said, okay, just pray about it. So I would like read my Bible and I'd feel like God was saying, I'd love you to share this with you. I'm like, no, close my Bible. I'm not going to share this. You know, I won't even I, read I, this. No, no, I'm not gonna. so then I thought I'm calling the high school pastor and I'm going to ask him to cover for me. So I called the high school pastor. He's like, John already told me you'd probably call me. He already told me to tell you, no, he really thinks you're <laughs> supposed to do this. So I'm oh, like, your husband knows you well. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. So John does this big buildup because he can't get me to agree. So he starts saying three weeks from now, we're going to have a special minister. We're going to have my favorite minister. Which Come is, on. Like, this is all a lie. I never ministered. I just argued with my husband in the car. Like, what was this? And then two weeks from now, we're going to have a special guest speaker. It's going to be amazing. And then <laughs> one week from now. So people are talking. Everybody's like, who is it? I want, he's like, it's going to be a big surprise. I'm like, it is going to be a big so then It's going to be a surprise. He's in Trinidad. He has them put in a cassette tape and and like, this is how old we are put in the cassette tape. And it was like, I am so glad you're here tonight. And there was a bigger crowd than normal because of all the hype about (gasps) the way he'd built it up. Special speaker. And I'm so excited to introduce the speaker tonight. It's my wife, Lisa Bevere. And it was like a pen (gasps) could have dropped and it would have been an act like, People just stopped oh. and we had a room full of metal chairs. And all of a sudden I'm in the back of the room with people standing up, folding the metal chairs. No. Th- yes. You know how the stacking things, mm-hmm. throwing them into the stacking thing as they walk past me and say, I'm not going to have a yes. woman speak yes. to me. This would oh, have been Lisa. in 87, 88. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like I told my husband, I feel like half the room left. Yeah. Whether that is accurate or whether right, right, that is just right. what it felt like. I right. sat in the back till the last person left, mm-hmm. went up to the front shaking mm. pretty much because I, again, I'm hearing all those. I suffer a woman not to preach. Yes. You know, yes. you're not, you don't have a head covering. I mean, like I'm hearing all this dissenting voices. And, yeah. and so I'm thinking, I want to be scriptural. I'll just read scripture. That's all I'm going to do. I'll, I'll tell a little story. And I won't I'll, even like say anything about that, it. I'll and, just. And, and I, you know, it was, it was, I'm just going to tell you, not that reading scripture is horrible, but I'm saying as far as crafting a message, as right, far as right, delivery right. or, or action, I, I mean, it was horrible. Right. It was horrible. Oh, and picked up my, my two-year-old son drove mm. home. So everybody there would have known my husband's mm. out of the country. I Bless your heart. Put, you know, give him a bath, put him to bed. I, and this is the scary part. We were so poor that we did not have curtains, but we had a fenced in backyard. So in my mind, because we had a fenced in backyard, it was okay to not to have curtains in our bedroom. Right. And, that kept you safe somehow. Right. And so I go into our bedroom. I take off all of my clothes. 
I put on my pajamas yeah, and I climb into bed. I turn off the light. And as soon as I turn off the light, I hear <gasps> pounding on my bedroom window. I hear pound, 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 pound. And of course I'm like, like panic. Lisa. And, oh, oh yeah. Panic, panic. And I'm frozen. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, turn on the light. Mm. And I thought if I turn on the light, they'll, they'll see, see me. And he said, right. they need to see you. And I flip on the light and I, it's like a boldness came in me. I flipped on the light. Then I went outside, flipped on the other light. I called the police and um, there had, there was two men. They had climbed over our fence mm. and then climbed back over. The police showed up. And so when John came home, yeah, I told him the story and he, you know, yeah. he listened and, and I expected him to say, wow, that I will never put you in that position again. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not ever speaking again. Like that was right. terrifying. And, right. you know, I could have been, my safety was at risk. And John said, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you, you're never going to speak again. He said, but, but I can't because there's too many young girls watching you. Mm. And makes me want to cry. Yeah. I, I wow, mean, Lisa. the faithfulness of God. Wow. And, um, you know, here's the thing. None of us know what is on the other side of our obedience. That's right. But there yeah. is something. And it is yeah. so much more worthy of our time yeah. and attention than yeah. we know. And so I did. I shared that story. And then I systematically, in the book, talked about all the lies that I believed, all the things that made my life shrink, all the mm. shame that I embraced yeah. out of fear, out yeah. of uh, you know, worried like, oh, wait, because I want to serve God, is that rebellious? Am, right. am I trying to be a man? Am, right. am, am I not satisfied? You know, mm. who, what daughter wants to displease her heavenly father? None. You know, right. and so I had to, um, I had to lean into the value that God has for women. And I, I feel Amen. like that we've, we really need to repent of not giving women their rightful place and their rightful voice. And because of that, they have gone out and yep. borrowed wrong voices and wrong yep. reasoning. From outside of the church or from, or from people who've left the church in anger, and now they're discipling a whole generation. It, I, I, in offense. I see that. In offense. Yeah. And, right. It's, it's almost like, well, of course, we drove... We, we made this happen. We, we drove this. I, I just, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I um, feel like, Lisa, you've been a godmother to me in this moment. I have been in churches where I've spoken and I've had men get up and walk out. And so I almost want to almost want to cry. I just appreciate you. I really do appreciate your voice. I I'm appreciate sorry this that happened book. to you. I am too. But like you, I, you just, in one sense, God is in it because Oh, they wouldn't stand up if if uh, the enemy wasn't trying to squash what God had called you to do. Just like that night, if the enemy didn't want to stop you, those men would not have come knocking on your door. So I'm grateful that you have, I mean, I'm, it's horrifying you had those experiences, but I'm grateful because obviously the Lord has anointed you to empower other women and men as well. Yeah. I'm and, grateful for and, your And voice. as horrible as it is, I'm actually thankful for it. Yeah. It it brought a clarity it worked some courage into my life. This is something I, I fear that is a lie that we've believed for a long time. In the book, I talk about how I met this beautiful young minister. Um, her name is Hosanna, Hosanna Wong. Oh, uh, I know Hosanna. Yeah, I, I met her years ago. We did a conference together. She got up, she did a spoken word, and God just said, put her in your heart. Mm. Carry her. Carry mm. her as a goddaughter. And so I turned to her and I said, I'm going to give you my number. And I just said, I want to be there for you however I can. Yeah. And over the course of the next couple months, um, I had no idea that she was going to go through literal like hell, like mm. everything that she ever believed in, everything that she ever stood from was lost and stolen. She was maligned. All this stuff was going through. And John wow. and I wow. were ministering in Indonesia. And 
I found myself, we were doing a marriage conference in Jakarta and I found myself burdened for Hosanna. And so as soon as I got home, I called her and I said, Hosanna, what is going on? Mm. And she was like, nothing. I said, no, no, something is going on. And I said, Hosanna, there is a spirit of discouragement that is trying to shut you down. And, and the quieter she was, the stronger I got. And I said, listen, this is an attack of the enemy. And mm. I just said, Hosanna, I'm sorry that you thought you could be a warrior without a battle. I'm sorry wow. that you thought you could be a hero without a battle, but it is a lie. And you need to get off that sofa. You need to shake yourself. You need to stand up and you need to begin to speak the word of God over your life. And I remember mm. at, the, at the time, I thought, Lisa, this is jet lag talking. Hosanna thinks you're crazy. <laughs> like, she, she, like she's a sweet little bit Asian culture. Like you are yelling. You are being Sicilian. Right. And the you quieter, need to like turn that volume down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just basically hung up. Well, well unbeknownst wow, to me, she wrote this whole letter that she had been binge watching and laying on a sofa for weeks. And she mm. had just picked up my book without rival and had read something <laughs> just about kind of this whole idea that, you know, that we have an identity without rival because we are called by a God without rival and we're facing Amen. a battle without rival, but we have weapons without rival. Mm, and she, so she said she was like ready to throw the book <laughs> and, and the phone comes. Lisa Bevere. And she's like, Stop. she was like, what just happened? And so she was like freaked out. So she was barely talking, but she said, as soon as she hung up, it was like scales came off of her eyes. Wow. And see, that's what God mothers do. They come there into somebody's yeah. life and they say, Hey, Hey, I know what's going on in your life right now, but this is not the end of your story. And mm. it's interesting we, you know, we, we know the story of Cinderella, but why we love the story of Cinderella, why it's in more than 300 countries. They're saying it could be as many as 3000 countries have their own version of Cinderella. Oh, wow. Do you know why we love it? It is the same story arc of rise, fall, rise that the mm. gospel is. And so there is something in Cinderella about yeah. a captive daughter being mistreated. But mm -hmm. then all of a sudden she meets the prince. She loses her identity, you know, which is, yes. but he finds her and, you know, yes. he come, comes back and he rescues her. And, and the thing I love, and the reason why there is a wand, which people are freaking out, a wand on the cover <laughs> is because I had such an awareness that Cinderella's godmother Mm. only served the purpose of revealing what Cinderella had been weaving with her life. So the garment was her actions. And we think about the bride has made herself ready. How do we make yep. ourselves ready? Yeah. By the righteous acts of the saints. Some things we do in secret, some things we do publicly, whatever that is, we do, we do. And in this season of shutdown, people can shut off. And that's why we need godmothers to say, uh-uh. And you could be a godmother. See, it isn't about, you don't want to be 60. Yeah. You just have to be caring. You just have to be mm. more mature than somebody mm. in some area. You don't have to know everything. You just got to know something. And yeah. the older women are charged to teach and train the younger women. And it seems like right now, the older women, rather than teaching and training and blessing, they despise them. They resent them. They try yeah. to be them. They try mm. to look like them. You know, mm. I've been growing up my grace since last November. My husband is not happy, but I <laughs> am like, what? That's amazing. Good for you. I'm like, it's happening. Um, but I told my husband, when do I get to be 60? Yeah. Like, this is the optimum time. I want right. to celebrate. I, he said, well, you look younger. And I'm like, but I'm not younger. And I want, right. I want people, I don't want people to say, gosh, when I'm 60, I hope I look 45. Look like Lisa I, Bevere. I want yeah. them to say, I hope I act like her. I hope I embrace mm. my age. I hope I take, and again, it's not really about my hair, but I'm just saying, why? Know, right. Why? Why can't older women have a beauty in them that is hard won yeah. so that nothing in their life is wasted and right. nothing That's in their life good. is hidden? And nothing in their life is shamed. It's Amen. redeemed. 
That's right. That's right. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a blessing. Um, let me ask you just one final quick question. Um, we've got a lot of listeners on here that are hurting, that have walked through a lot of trauma and are probably longing for a word from a godmother. Would you just speak something over them? Yes. You know, um, the word of God, I love it because it's eternal. And it speaks to us in our seasons of darkness. And it speaks to us in our seasons of despair. And what I have had such a sense, and I just hope that you will hear this from the heart of God, is that God is saying, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to do good and not to harm you. Plans mm -hmm. to give you a hope and a future. And what we do is we look at our lives and we say, all I'm seeing is the enemy's scheme. Well, yeah. the enemy has a scheme, but God has a plan. And his plan that was in place before all of the trauma, before all of the triggers, before all of the abandonment, the betrayal, the loss, the lack, whatever that is, that plan is still in play. And so Amen. I want to prophesy over your life the promise of God. The promise of God is be strong and of good courage for the Lord your God is with you. Be courageous enough to take a step forward. Don't be afraid you're going to fail. You probably will, but <laughs> you have to move forward. You cannot yeah. stay frozen by fear. You cannot stay frozen by doubt. God is saying, I need you just to move. And if you're saying, but I'm afraid I'm going to miss God, I want you to know he is a really big target. Mm. And the only way we do not hit a target is if we don't ever aim. So go ahead, stretch forth your hands, lift up your voice, lift up your eyes, open your arms, open your home, whatever it is that you've been afraid to do, do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' so name. So good, Lisa. Thank you. Hey, where can our listeners connect with you and buy your book, Godmothers? So Amazon should have it. So they can get Godmothers on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And um, I have a Godmother's podcast. My husband and I do something called Conversations with John and Lisa, which you can tell now would be a little spicy since... <laughs> That's a fun one. I got to listen. Yeah. It's, it, we, ha we have fun. We're, he's Italian and I'm Sicilian. So it's not... It, it's it's not it's tame. not boring yeah it, it's not tame it's not tame yeah, it's not good. tame but yeah so and I and of course I think that I have all of the social media platforms but the only one I think people are nice on is Instagram so there's some truth to that isn't there okay thanks so much Lisa we appreciate you being here with us it's my honor Aubrey, well done. That was awesome. Thank you. Wasn't it so fun? It was such an incredible experience. I feel like you were pulling some gold out of out of Lisa there. I mean, just thank you. That was my goal. That, that was, was awesome. my goal. She's got a lot of gold to pull for sure. <laughs> Mining for gold. Hey, listen, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Go and listen to his music anywhere. Music can be downloaded and streamed. And we'd love to encourage you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback. And, um, and man, it just, it's so helpful to us. We also want to encourage you to take our survey at nothingiswasted.com slash podcast survey. You can also text the word NIW survey. That's one word, NIW survey, right. 66866. We want to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at nothingiswastedministries. You can follow Davey at Davey Blackburn. You can follow me at Obsamp. Aubrey, on Monday... So this Monday, I know this is going to be outside of our norm. Normally we release on Thursdays, but for the first, the first episode of 2021, we wanted to do something special because we have a massive uh, release, a launch that we want to share with you. And this that, is exciting. That is with our Nothing is Wasted certified guides. We have ni 19, 19 certified guides who have gone through about four months of training to be able to help you one-on-one -on -one through the pain to purpose course. And so starting in January, you're going to be able to hire a coach or a certified guide. If you want some help through the pain to purpose pathway I love and it. next uh, on Monday, 
this next episode, we are bringing some of those guides on to talk about a little bit about the process, talk about what that looks like, how they've been, how they've benefited from the pain to purpose process themselves. You don't want to miss this conversation that Aubrey and I have with Mm -hmm. the director of our coaching program and with a few of our nothing is wasted certified guides. They have incredible stories and incredible insight. So let's take a listen to this little clip. So when my brother Zach died, you know, I really felt like it was this string being pulled in my life that just seemed to unravel everything. Um, You know, I was serving in a ministry I'd founded. I was serving in a church. I was deeply invested in there, um, serving my family and community. Um, And grief was like this giant interruption that I hadn't anticipated um, nor did I have any idea how it was going to impact every part of my life. And, and so losing Zach um, was this whole body, whole life experience that really just forced me to stop. Physically, I've never felt uh, that level of fatigue. Spiritually, there was so much wrestling with God. Um, emotionally, just the typical responses of um, you know losing someone, going through the anxiety, going through the depression. Uh, relationally, we lost people and friendships that were really dear to us just because, um, you know, grief is hard and difficult to step into. And sometimes people don't have the skill set to do that. And so they, they just kind of pull away. Um, so it literally impacted every aspect of my life. 